Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of HR Leaders Live, the show where we discuss the future of work with today's most innovative and successful people leaders. My name is Chris Rainey, co-founder and CEO at HRD Leaders. As always, I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Jill Katz. How are you doing, Jill? It's my birthday today. What? what? You just dropped that right. You waited until my introduction to drop that. We're going to come back to that in a second. We, Jill, you can't do that to us. Matt Burns, how are you? Not my birthday. <laughs> just there's nothing you can say now, Matt. To top no. that, she just threw you I in just there. Care. All right. Before we jump in to talk about Jill's birthday, let me introduce our special guests for today. Today we're joined by Bill Allen, president at Allen Advisors LLC. Uh, Bill is former CHRO for companies such as Macy's, AP Mollamersk, and PepsiCo. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Chris. I got to do a quick correction, though. I, I grew up at PepsiCo. I had the good fortune of growing up at PepsiCo. Oh, I see. Okay. Senior HR director then, right? Senior HR director at exactly. PepsiCo. Okay. Like Sorry, everyone. People are lying to be CHRO there. <laughs> I just gave you a promotion on the show without even realizing. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Well, Bill, welcome to the show. How are you? Tell our leaders and listeners a little bit about yourself personally and your journey to where we are today. You know, my name is Bill Allen. I uh, personally, um, I'm happily celebrating my 30th wedding anniversary with my lovely wife, Beth. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing she's put up with me this long. <laughs> Happy anniversary. And, uh, thank you. And uh, we've got two, you know, great kids. We go, uh, Will and Brian. Um, Will works out in Denver and Brian works in Washington, D.C. Um, so Brian's got the harder job. He's in D.C. So... <laughs> No, I've been fortunate to have a have a great career. I grew up, as I mentioned, at PepsiCo, amazing place to grow up, um, and was a CHRO at a company called Atlas Air Holdings, and then um, the AP Muller Maris Group in Copenhagen, which was an amazing gig, and then uh, spent some time at Macy's in New York City. Um, so I've been very fortunate to have a, a, a wonderful career, and since then I've been doing some work in the private equity area. Um, and doing some advisory work with large cap companies. And I, I sit on five boards, one of them a startup and then four nonprofits. So it's great to be with you today. And it's great to see my old friend Jill Katz on her birthday. Jill, we're not allowed. I know, we're not, I know it's rude to ask someone how old they are, Jill. So we're not going to do that because you're going to lie to us anyway. You're going to take at least well, 20, 20 years off. I am thrilled to be here on my 25th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and what's, it's amazing that um, I worked with Bill and that Bill promoted me twice, both times before I was, I think, 18. <laughs> so, Bill, thank you for those wow. incredible career opportunities. That was. That was amazing of you. Well, you're a rock star. It was easy to do, that's for sure, Jill. But I don't think you were before 18. The math doesn't work. So, <laughs> Fantastic. I know you're 25 now, but it was probably at 21. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Bill, what have you been up to since you left uh, Macy's and retired to CHRO? Well, you know, I think it's a great question, Chris, because I took like nine months off and just to sort of decompress think about what I wanted to do, who I wanted to do it with, think about what I didn't want to do. And it was just sort of such a refreshing time, you know, to, to sort of make those kind of decisions. And, and, you know, during that time, it became clear to me that, 
the last thing in the world I wanted to do was a fourth chief human resource officer role in a publicly listed company or any other company for that matter. And so it was, it was really easy to start to figure out what I did want to do. And, you know, what I landed on is it would have a couple characteristics. Number one, I'm not responsible for anybody except me, of course. Um, and number two, you know, I'm, a, I'm in the business of helping people, you know, so the implication there is that, you know, I'm, I'm there to help people, but I'm also very clear with my clients. If they don't want my help or if they don't, or if they're not open to listening how to get better, um, you know, then we probably should save everybody's time and everybody's money and, and uh, move along to the next thing. So that's been great. And my wife and I, um, you know, moved up to, uh, we've, we've had a, a summer house up in the state of Maine for years and years, and we moved up here permanently. So I'm sitting watching it snow and, you know, getting ready to go skiing uh, tomorrow um, for the first day of this year. So life is pretty good. It's great, actually. You made all of us sit here and go, oh, we've got so far to go. <laughs> Trust me, I go fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, what, I, what I love about what you said is about you, you had a choice of, you know, what you want to do and what not to do. What a great place to be in it, that, yeah. that you can do that. And I'm sure you had, the a problem you probably had was you had too many opportunities when you left, right? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, sure, absolutely. I'm sure there were so many things flying at you and you're like, they're all great, but then you, it's a very important decision to be like, ignore that, focus on that. So how did you come to that realization of that you didn't want to be a CHRO anymore and that you wanted to pursue this? Well, you know, I just, I just actually, the, the quiet time and taking the quiet time to sort of think through it um, was really, really important. Um, you know, and, and anybody who comes out of a out of a corporate career, I was in a corporate career for 35 years. You know, I just highly recommend just taking the time and talking with people and sort of investing in yourself um, to be able to do that. So, you know, it, it literally takes the time that it takes. It took me about nine months um, and it was it was a great nine months. Could I have done it in six months? I don't think so. Um, but it's really a question as to what adds value to you and what you want to achieve and what you want to do. And, and for me, you know, it was, it was literally all about the, the ability and the freedom to use what I'm really good at in a way that uh, is helpful to others and, you know, allows me to stay in the game, A and B, pay for the lift tickets on the ski hill over here. <laughs> the reason I'm asking that is because it's really cool that yourself, Jill and Matt are all going through that journey right now. Yep. And I, I think, and I, I know, and I think that's, and, and, and me too, a year and a half ago, I quit my job after 10 years. It was the scariest day of my life <laughs> of going to my wife and saying, I'm quitting. I'm going all in. Right. And uh, then a million different opportunities came to me. And then I, it was hard. I had job offer. I think, listen, to, I had a crazy one where uh, the day before I was about to start this company, I had a, a multiple six-figure offer salary to start a job. It was like a dream job. And I called Shane, and he remembers this very clearly because I, I nearly scared him half to death and said, I've just been offered. My business partner, we're just about to go into business. I've just been offered this job. And he took a deep breath he, on the phone. He said, and, and this is why I know he was the right man to be working with. And he said to me, if you take it, I'll support you and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be there for you 100%. But I'm going to do it without you either way. 
And I was like, he, he knew exactly how to get me. And I was like, no way am I going to take it and let you go and run it yourself because I'm going to regret it. And then we ran with it. And uh, it's funny because a close friend of mine ended up taking that job and it actually all fell apart and it didn't work out. So I'm really lucky <laughs> that I didn't take that. But I just re- when you were talking about you making the right decision, that could have been the difference between me being here right now with you guys and still working in a company that basically has now folded. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's incredible. What, what about you, Jill? What was the reason? Well, I, was, I was just going to say, I, I am very much on, on that journey and um, making my decision was a very difficult decision. And, and it's not a secret that when I was going through my process, Bill is one of the people that I reached out to. Um, and, you know, Bill was one of my bosses and my mentors in, in one of my last leadership roles. And, um, Bill gave me a lot of coaching in, inside the organization when I was a leader in the organization. And a lot of that, uh, mentorship was very, very direct and, and very challenging and provocative and very helpful. Um, and when I talked to Bill about my, my plans to go out on my own, the advice that Bill gave me is exactly what I just heard Bill say here, which was do not rush. Um, and take a lot of time and, and really do spend a lot of time focusing on and investing in yourself. Um, and ironically, Chris, in the past two weeks, I have also been confronted with two job offers. <laughs> it's um, what happens, right? It's crazy. <laughs> it is really hard to stick to your guns because, um, you know, being out on your own, especially for the first year, uh, brings lots and lots of challenges and and a whole new set of stresses and there are there are so many things that you trade off and things that 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 I've gotten to give away that I don't miss <laughs> and, and I know Bill you know that list well and and Matt you and I have had many chats about what those things are things that that I wanted to go away from and, and not experience anymore and it's good that they're gone but I would say that new things come in and and take the place that are different stresses and different things to think about and worry about. Um, And you need to learn to deal with those and think through those as well. And it's a different skill set that I am certainly learning to manage through. Well, on on that point then, for all, this is a question for all three of you, what advice would you give to other leaders that are perhaps thinking about going through, whether it's starting their own company, leaving to do their own startup, or like Matt, you're doing your, your obviously your social venture that you're running now, right? What advice would, looking back guys, I know you've just started it, but what advice would you give to other people that are on that journey? You know, I think that one of the first and most important things is to pull together a list of, could be 25, it could be 50 people, you know, whose opinions you value and you trust and have a conversation with them about, you know, these, these people know you. Have a conversation with them about what their perspective is um, because you make better decisions when you have multiple data points. And take the time to really think through the things that you like about what you've been doing and the things that you don't like and, and what you want more of and what you want less of or what you want none of. Um, so I think that's, you know, my, my very, very best advice is to, is to sort of think about it that way and start that way. And, you know, they'll, they'll be, once you make up your mind, you'll say, geez, what do I do now? And then the next thing you know, there'll be a tidal wave of things that will come your way. Um, because you really focused on what you do and don't want to do. 
that's amazing career advice in general for anyone listening. (laughs) So thank you so much for that. Jill? I think that I would say probably something similar to Bill, um, which is don't rush. There are so many things that, that you wake up and you feel scared of. The fear can be translated into motivation. And so I like to change that fear into fuel and let it drive me toward things that maybe I wouldn't have done before and into motion. And so I set goals of of actions that I want to take and people that I want to know and things that I want to try because I'd never done this before. And I am. I, I tell people every week, I am amazed at how many people there are out there to connect with and things to get involved with and things to read and places to go and resources that there are to take advantage of. And if you let things come to you in the world, they will. And if they don't, call Matt Burns. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because at the end of the day... Matt is really the answer to everything. And so I would like to... Testimonial, Matt. There's testimonial for your website there. First one. There, there it is. And so I'm actually going to turn it to, to, to a question that I would like to... Let's let, can we let Matt answer the question first, though, Jill? Yeah, yeah let, me ask, ask, let me answer the one yeah, question. Yeah, like, give him a chance, Jill. Give him a chance before you, before you drown. Matt, in your will, you, will you just turn on the lights for the love of God? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 8 a.m. Uh, in he's Vegas. setting the scene, right? He's setting the scene, Jill. He's setting the scene. He's got a mood light in it's not. It's not a romantic comedy, Matt. <laughs> right, Matt. Oh, God. All right, Matt. Jump into the question before Joe asks you another one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I think the best thing that the best piece of advice that I was given and that I didn't understand at the time, but I, I totally understand it now being in the position is that there is no destination. So there isn't a, a right time. There isn't a perfect time to make the move. There isn't going to be the situation where everything just happens to make sense because your brain and your thought process will continually trick you into thinking that you need to do one more thing or one more business relationship or one more connection or one more paycheck behind you. Um, and the and the answer is that there isn't a destination. And one thing I've been very deliberate about in my very recent journey is letting things unfold in an iterative fashion and just being open and flexible to seeing how things play out. Um, if you'd asked me to write down the 10 things I thought would happen after 90 days, none of the 10 things that I thought would happen have happened and <laughs> 20 other things have happened instead. Yeah. Um, and if I hadn't been flexible to that, I might still be trying to make those 10 things work and trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So I would just say is just be open to the fact that there is no curated perfection destination you're going to get to. It is a journey. And as long as you stay open to the opportunity and stay flexible with it, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You need your minimum viable mat. I think that's what we should change it to. The minimum viable mat. Because <laughs> 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 that's how I, every, everything that I, I was exactly saying, we had this business plan that we spent a year rolling out. We had all, we had everything in line, you know, and nothing turned out the way it did you know and uh, we ended up working out my bedroom for the first few months right uh in the morning with a with a yeah great whilst planning the wedding at the same time right so it was nothing and i think as you said joe it's that it's that fear that you do have to turn into energy like for me if i'm not feeling uncomfortable then i know something's wrong 
So I'm always putting myself in, in uncomfortable positions because I know that's where the most innovation comes from and the, and the most success. So if mm-hmm. I ever walk in and, and I feel completely comfortable, if it's going smoothly, most people are happy about that. I get concerned about that. I'm like, we're not stretching ourselves. We're not pushing ourselves. We're just kind of comfortable is the worst place to be. And if you're, and if you're in it, if you want to be an entrepreneur or start your own business, you have to be comfortable in uncomfortable and in chaos. Uh, and, and that's what I love. I literally live for as much as sometimes I complain about it and it's stressful. <laughs> um, it is really where the success comes from, um, as well. So I'm glad I, I, never, I never hear you complain, Chris. <laughs> Off air. When, when we finish, when we press pause, I'm like, Jill, help me. Yeah. But it's, uh, <laughs> but it's the small things, right? And as you said, Jill, it's a different set of challenges. It's a complete, like, I remember the first few months I was like, how do I do payroll? This is new. <laughs> Yeah. It's a small thing for you guys. It's very easy, but I'm like, how do I set up payroll? Right. Or, you know, how do I set up my accounts and the finance? I've never had to deal with that. I was a sales director for a, you know, a multi-million pound company who had all of those different functions and tools and processes that exist. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that's going to be an issue of this week. Uh, you know, or writing terms and conditions for our first few products, just silly things that along the way that for everyone else say it may be easy, but for me it was very, very difficult. Um, so back to the conversation, Bill, for yourself. So within your organization that you're currently working in, you know, uh, within Allen Advisors, how are you currently helping HR leaders and leaders on their journey within their businesses? Well, there's, there's, actually, there's actually a couple of ways. Um, you know, the, the first is um, working with HR leaders and CEOs, um, you know, and, and, pri- and primarily in the private equity area, but also with some large cap companies. The thing, thing that I have learned, Chris, is you often hear someone say, a CEO or an owner of a company say, you know, our HR is not working all that well. Hmm. And the fact of the matter is, the fact that HR is not working well is a symptom of a problem, not the problem itself. Um, and the reason I say it's a symptom is when you go through the business and you see how the business is being run, the way the business is being run is the problem. And oh, by the way, HR is not working very well in a particular situation. So when you, th- when you think about that, you know, there's, there's strategy, which is really, really important. And then there's the ability to get an organization aligned and excited about doing great things. And, you know, the, the way that I think about it is that there's sort of eight buckets of things that you've got to get right. And if you get them right, then the sky's the limit. You can do absolutely amazing things. And as I think back th- through my career, there were a number of situations where um, we had all these eight buckets of things going in the right direction. They're all aligned. They're all focused. They're all operating at, at peak um, and then there were other situations where, geez, we might not have any of the eight straight. Mm-hmm. When you get those sorts of things to work and you very intentional about the way you run the business, then the results will come in spades. But I've often seen companies, frequently see companies, in fact, almost all the time, you see companies that have opportunities to run the business in a way that would dramatically improve the bottom line performance. Because it is all about the bottom line performance of the business that the HR function is 
a critical part of. So it's been very, very interesting. What are the eight things? There's, there's, uh, they're not all created equal, A, um, but, but the eight things start with the purpose of the organization. So if you think about why an organization exists, there are many organizations that don't have a stated purpose. And oh, by the way, the flip side of the purpose from an investor standpoint is the investment thesis. Why should I own part of this business? So that's the first one. The second one is, what is the strategy? And the strategy is merely an argument as to how you can beat the competition. Just an argument as to how you can beat the competition. It gets overcomplicated very frequently. And you hear all kinds of stories about failed strategies, et cetera. But literally, it is, a, it is an argument as to how you can win. The third is strategic imperatives. And those are the planks on which you implement and execute the strategy. So I go back to my time at Frito-Lay back in the 90s. And our CEO at the time, Roger Enrico, said we have four strategic imperatives. We're going to take back the streets, which was shorthand for we're going to take on the competition and grow sales. We are going to become the low cost competitor. And that is because we're the largest and we run volume over a base of uh, fixed cost. Then there's no way anybody can keep up with us. We um, are going to find a better way to satisfy our customers. And we're going to win together. Those were the four strategic imperatives and they were very powerful and they were very powerful for what reason? Because everybody in the organization could actually do something about them. The fourth is telling the story as to how are we going to win? What's our strategy? How are we doing? Where, where are we doing great? Where, are we, where do we need to improve? The fifth one, is one nobody ever thinks about, but it's called organized to win. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in an organization where you actually had lots of people who you couldn't figure out what they were doing and they couldn't contribute, you couldn't figure out how they contributed to winning? You're clearly not organized to win. Lean, focused, tie back to the investment thesis, tie back to the purpose, and then, by the way, what is the cadence on which you manage the business? How do you allocate capital? How do you allocate talent? How do you intervene to improve performance? How do you understand how your customers feel about the business? So you have that cadence where it all flows together to drive performance. And speaking of driving performance, it's all about making winning a habit. How do you make winning a habit? Well, you've got objectives that everybody can do something about, and you've got incentives. On the things that are really, really important, not everything in the world. Finally, there's two things that are sort of in the traditional domain of HR. One is, what's your leadership culture? 
Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about culture. It's but what leaders. leadership culture? Because it starts with whom? Mm-hmm. The leaders. leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, people look to the top and what is done at the top translates down through the organization. And if it's good, that's great. And if it's bad, it's horrible. So what, what does it mean to be a leader in an organization? You know, you think back to the GE of yesteryear, it was leaders have energy so that they can get lots of things done with their teams. They're able to energize their teams and they have edge, which means that they can prioritize the most important things and put the other things to the side. That's an example of a leadership culture. And then finally, last but not least, it's all about talent. Your leadership talent, but then also, what are the roles that give us competitive advantage as we, as we move forward? So in the retail world that you and I were in, Jill, you know, 15 years ago, it was merchants, planners, and store leaders. Today, it's data scientists, mm-hmm. customer-facing technology people, and it's fulfillment experts. And if you don't have a talent strategy for each of those thin slices, you lose. Slowly, but surely. So those are the eight buckets of things that are really, really important to get right to have a business that absolutely will drive performance. And the benefit that you get from it is, number one, you have an integrated company. You don't have these silos. Because thinking and then driving the business this way results in a company that is integrated because you're only focused on the purpose and the investment thesis. A. B, you're able to move with speed and discipline because you have, you're organized to win and you have that management cadence that you, that you, that works like a Swiss watch, quite frankly, when you get it right. And then you have this paradox. You have a small company feel because you're focusing as a team, an integrated team on the most important things, but you have this huge big company leverage because dynamite comes in small packages. Very, very powerful. It's a very powerful way to think about how, how you run a business. Strategy is part of it. But how you run the business is really, really important. And I've, you know, I've discussed this with a half dozen CEOs and it really resonates with them. So that's, that's sort of my mental model as I look at businesses. When I get the telephone call, hey, my HR function is not working so well. Okay, well, let's talk about what that means. And then it comes down to a discussion of, all right, yeah, well, maybe we do need to do some things differently in terms of how we run this business. Does that make sense? Does it resonate with you? Yeah. <laughs> It's such an amazing systematic process. I think everyone probably listening right now is scribbling down notes. Just out of curiosity, is this something that you came up based on your experience throughout your career that, that you've refined over your years of experience as a CHRO, just out of curiosity, those, those eight pillars? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, I'm, I spent my career thinking about how you build organizations that can improve performance and drive great performance. 
And, you know, sort of during the quiet time, I was able actually to sit down and say, okay, this is what it all looks like. Yeah, because a lot of people struggle to do that. That's why I'm asking. The fact that you've been able to sit down and, and, and really reflect on everything and your experience and then come up with it and put it down on paper into those eight pillars is, is something that is a real skill and that many people I know, the leaders that I speak to, struggle to do that and to define it in a way you have as a structure. Because as you said, you can take that into any organization, sit down with a leader, and actually have a discussion about each of those pillars and, and see where those gaps are in the organization and where the improvements to make. Is that essentially what you're doing with these organizations? Yeah, that's, that, that is. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's an agile approach to thinking about how you drive organizational performance. And the reason I say that it's agile is that there are some of these that clearly are fine or are not as important in any particular organization. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, it is definitely not a checklist. Um, so you've really got to really got to understand, you know, the way to look at an organization to use the document simply because and this is one of my, one of my pet peeves. It's, it's very, very easy to use a checklist and not make any progress on making things better. Mm -hmm. uh, because you don't understand the essence of the model, if you will. You're literally ticking the box instead of actually. Yeah, we have a strategy and oh uh, yeah, we have strategic initiatives and uh, we do hold um, two town hall meetings a year. So check that one off. Mm -hmm. so it's much more, it's much more about understanding the essence of how you drive winning performance than sort of checking the box. Bill, I have a question for you. We have, a, we have a lot of guests come on our show that are building their HR careers. They're in that VP and above range, and oftentimes they are CHROs. It's really exciting to have a guest like you that's been a CHRO multiple times, and also globally in multiple different countries in different industries. Right. If you were giving advice to our listeners who are on their own journey to become CHROs, now that you've seen it over a protracted period of time in multiple industries in multiple countries, what is your advice to people that are becoming CHROs in terms of the most critical skills, the most critical attributes, and what the future CHROs really need to be able to be and do. It's a free question, Jill special. So we did warn you. <laughs> Jill is not, she well, never that's asked. Easy one. That's, a, that's a little, that's a softball. <laughs> that was literally uh, uh, two really big questions. That's a freebie. I'll, I'll leave. I'll Matt, you're next. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, here's the, here's the things that are important. And you know, you've heard Dave Ulrich say this a thousand times. You got to think outside in a, you know, because you're not operating in a vacuum. You've got customers, you've got regulators, you've got, you know, a, a labor force, you've got everybody out there, you know, that has a stake in your business. And if you don't think outside in, then you're going to get trapped. Um, so that's a B think about yourself as a CHRO of your part of the world. Um, what would I do if I were the CHRO 
of my particular part of the organization. And what is it that I would be doing differently if I were in that position? It doesn't mean you should run off and do it because it might get you fired. Okay? <laughs> yeah. But you should think about it that way. So, so those, those two things. And then, then the third thing is, you know, is, is just be open to where your career takes you. Um, you know, everybody thinks about, you know, their career sort of as a ladder. Hey, it's like this. Snakes, a ladder and, snakes, snakes and ladders. Mostly snakes. Ladder snakes and ladders. Yeah. <laughs> It's important to think about it that way because there are things that you will learn, things that I've learned that I wouldn't have learned if I wasn't open to doing different things. How how many times did I do things that almost got me fired? Just out of curiosity. Uh, Every day, Joe. uh, Probably only two. (laughs) (laughs) So my next question is for that guy. Uh, Who's that guy, Matt? Matt, Mr. Burns. Hi. Hi, how are you? Looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks in New York. Me too. It's going to be so much fun. We have a long dinner date. I'm so excited. Chris, she's going to ask me an hour-long question at dinner. Oh, God. You know. I can't wait. It's going to be I'm at so least four. It's going to be a, like a seven question in one. Okay. Then you're going to have to go for it. Mr. Burns, um, yes. founder and CEO of the Social Enterprise. Um, yeah. Earlier in today's... The as-yet-named Social Enterprise. The, I think it's going to be called Jill Inc. That's what I heard. I think that one's already taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. Touché. Um, I heard you say earlier in today's show that the 20 things that you thought were going to happen when you started your company didn't and different things did happen. So share with us, what was the biggest surprise that came your way since you started your business? And what question would you ask a person like Bill now that you've come out the other side of it and you're 90 days in? Uh, so I'm gonna be asking Bill a lot, a lot of questions offline because I have a ton of notes from this call as we tend to do with such great guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the biggest, so we've talked about this topic I think every second show we've done 23. <laughs> I already know what's coming, Matt. You, you know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. The blend between marketing and HR oh. makes so much sense. Um, but what's the surprise? What part of it is a surprise? All of my business is as a marketing firm. So all of the contracts that I'm speaking with clients on, I've been putting out products and services in an HR consultancy context. Um, trying to work with organizations like Bill and like yourself and trying to help companies have success with their HR strategies. I have, as you know, a very unique take on how HR strategies should be done. Agile thinking, technology, data, gig economy. Um, and at some point in the future, I'll work with some clients and help them take their HR organizations to a different place. But in the short term, most of my inbound requests are, hey, Matt, we'd like you to be our marketing consultant. We'd like you to come in and help us tell the story of our brand the way you've told the story of yours. Um, help connect our internal story and our external external story to purpose. Um, and in a lot of cases, those organizations are companies actually to sell to HR. So they have HR as their consumer um, and they see me as the customer. 
Um, and because of that, I provide a lot of different value around um, helping them with their product roadmaps, with their strategy, with their marketing and with their sales. And that generally leads to a conversation around marketing. So I thought I was standing up an HR consultancy firm. That was a social <laughs> enterprise. I'm actually large, launching a marketing agency. Um, for, for, that's yeah, the biggest surprise. It makes perfect sense though, because you are their customer, right? If you think yeah. about if you're, these companies are reaching out to you, sell to HR leaders, that, that you, were, you were one of those guys, right? You were a CHRO of these organizations they're trying to get in front of. So who better to work with to, de to design their language and their, and their story and align that together? So I'm not so surprised I'm, by that, but I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, so I, I thought I was going to launch an HR consultancy. Now I'm launching an HR consultancy slash marketing firm. To help, to help suppliers to HR interesting yep. how you never know right where it's gonna go but again <laughs> back to my earlier answer if i was stubborn about no i only want to do hr consulting i would have said no to those opportunities and i wouldn't have had the chance to learn and we, this topic again we've talked about it every other show the competencies are incredibly similar i'm okay. segmenting an audience like i would in an employee engagement survey i'm developing products and services and messages and the medium with which to communicate to those consumers um, in a way that I was never able to do in HR because in HR, unfortunately, in a lot of organizations, we take a broadcasting approach, which is here's the company newsletter, here's the bulletin board. It's one piece of communication one way, and it doesn't take into account segmentation and audience the way a marketing professional would. So I think you're going to see HR anyway move to that model as the, as the two functions merge together. But for me as a business proprietor, I understand that piece, so I apply that approach um, and I'm actually using things like change management in an external context, which normally you would think of change management in the context of helping a company through transformation. You can actually help customers through yeah. their own journey using change management. So it's, it's interesting about the inversion. Mm -hmm. Amazing, man. I'm excited for you. And I, and I generally feel like that's a real untapped space that you're kind of going into because there are many organizations that are doing the opposite of what you were trying to achieve to become your own consultant. It's tough because I speak to many people like Jill and Bill every day that leave a, a, were a CHRO going to this journey and it's very difficult to stand out in that crowded space. Whereas I feel like what you've found, well, it's, it's not a surprise because you're, you're so active on LinkedIn, you put so much content out and you, are, uh, you always were a, a public facing CHRO with, with your own brand. So you've now sort of kept that in your new role and your new business. You're right there, Jill. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just flipped over on our screen. Right, you guys. know, I, I got so emotional about Matt's business that I needed to take a moment. We're going to, well, well, Jill, we've got, before we go, uh, we're going to, otherwise we're going to keep going, guys. I have one last thing that we want to do. Um, and, uh, that, and that's actually to say happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. To, to Jill. So, Jill, happy birthday. So, Jill, we, we went and got something for you. We've got you. Oh, no. <laughs> we haven't got a lighter in the office, but I sent one of the oh. people. As soon as you told me it was your birthday, I messaged one of the guys and said, go and get Joe a cake now. <laughs> oh so, my God. So I haven't run and got you a cake. So, all oh, right, all right. Oh, we basically, we can't light the candle because of our fires, our, our hazards in our office. Apparently, we're not allowed to light the candle, which is weird, but okay. Hi, Ivan. But apart from that, we, 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 Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Happy birthday dear Jill. Happy birthday to you. I love you, HR <laughs> leaders. Okay. We're, we're James, James, Shane, Ivan, and all the team are going to enjoy it on your behalf, all right? 
I was going to say, that is the most fat-free cake I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you, Ivan. I appreciate it. <laughs> there you go, Jill. <laughs> thank you. Day. Bill, we really appreciate you taking the time out to join us on the show. Um, as yeah. you can see, we're a bit pretty crazy bunch. We never know where this conversation is going. But, um, <laughs> I'm really excited to share your model with the audience. I feel like that's going to be so valuable for them to help them on their own journey. Um, so really appreciate that. And as always, Matt and Jill, it was a privilege to have you guys here and to get your input. Um, for everyone listening, you can head over to hrdeaders.com. There you'll find the show notes on episode, everything we're talking about. If, if, if Bill lets me, I'll link the, uh, the details in there as well. Or the pillars, he's going to tell me off after. Uh, apart from that, we uh, thank you again and we wish you all the best until we next week. Bye. Thanks. Have a good thank day. You. Thanks. Happy birthday.